So we're going through Ephesians uh, in, in the first really three and a half chapters so far. It, it's, been, it's been Paul reminding us there's been this overemphasis on the nature of God, on who God is, on how amazing he is, how deep and wide and high and long and how the, his power is incomparable, mm-hmm. right? These, these words, Paul uses these words that are meant to evoke in us a wonder about God. All right, an idea that is supposed to wake us up and remember how immense, as, as Matt said, sometimes we, we define God and we say God is loving. That's not true. God is love. Like God defines love. Amen. God defines power and strength and mercy. And it's, Paul spends more than half of this book reminding us and over, almost overemphasizing this and he's telling us and and as as you read it through and i would encourage you to do this when you study out books of the bible read it through over and over again all the way through even if you're not taking notes just get the feel for the flow of what paul is writing because what we keep hearing is instead of him saying, hey, just go and do things and go and do and go and do this and, and, and do this and do this spiritual thing. He's actually telling us, no, we must be filled. Amen. And filled so deeply that all that overflows from us. And remember last week, even in Ephesians 4, he reminded us of not just how to be filled with the spirit, but how to think spiritually. Okay, and how to, how to live that way, because what he's about to tell us to do requires us to be overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Okay, and there's a great story. Um, I don't know when this took place. I've heard different things, but it was, and it might just be a story with a great, with a great ending on it. Um, but I think it fits in with what we're talking about here, particularly the first half of Ephesians. And it's a story of an American and he went over to Africa and he went and he paid money to go on a safari and then to go deep into the jungle. And so he had hired some locals there to help him carry his things. And it was like three or four day journey. In the first two days, the American was very much like, let's go. Come on, we've got to get there. Let's. And they made great time and they were working really hard. And on the third morning, the American got up and was like, hey, let's go. And his travel guides were like, we're not moving. We're going to sit here. And the reason why is the translator, you know, the, the locals were talking to them and the translator said the reason they won't move is because they're letting their souls catch up with their body. Yeah, they, they believed we, we went too fast. Like we moved too far too quickly. Our, we need time to let our souls catch up. And isn't that true today for us? That's America, right? Sometimes we need time to let the soul, our souls catch up with our body. And that's the essence of what Paul is saying. Hey, guys, we do a great job of being type A, of go faster, stronger, go, just go. And Paul is reminding us, hey, sometimes, not just sometimes, this has to be a consistent thing. Slow down to let your soul catch up with your body. Amen. Or we're just spiritually busy. Yeah. All right. We don't want the church to just be known to be spiritually busy. Yeah. We want the church to be known as, as being 
fulfilled and the manifestation of Jesus Christ himself here on earth. And that takes time, right? I mean, that takes time to ponder. And, you know, Lindsay and Megan did such a great job with the communion. But they, and they brought up a great point is to sit down and think what Paul is saying Amen. about the magnitude and the majesty of God. You know, you've heard me say it for a few weeks. Some of these verses are not good Sunday morning verses <laughs> because you just hear them and they do nothing for you to just hear them one time. It's like, I've got to sit there and think, how deep is the love of God? I mean, how wide is it? How high? How long? How, if, you know, one of the things that Paul prayed in Ephesians 3 was that we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, right? You've got to think about that for a minute. You're like, you want me to know something that surpasses knowledge? How on earth can I do that? All right, we've got to think about that, all right? And this is Jesus' teachings that we've talked about, which is this idea of, you know, as as Jesus, could you imagine walking with Jesus during his ministry and walking along and how many miles that man logged in the, you know, just walking everywhere. But could you imagine walking with Jesus and his lesson for the day? What if his lesson for the day was, hey, look out there. See the trees out there and those birds? Consider how much God loves those birds. Well, he loves you more. Let's keep going. You know, and you're like, really, Jesus, that's what you have for me. I mean, there's trees and birds. And, and, And if we don't think about it, but he says a word consider those birds, consider what I'm telling you, which implies stop what you're doing for a second. Yeah. All right. Now that doesn't mean in the middle of work. All right. It's like in the middle of a shift and, and your boss is like, what are you doing? You know, they're, they've got code red at the hospital and Sarah's like, I'm considering <laughs> the birds. You know, like, no, man, this requires us to carve out time to do this, right? To, to, to think and to consider because this is what fills us up to go. This is what helps us manifest the nature of Jesus, right? And so he starts out uh, Ephesians 5. We're going to start right there in verse 1. And then we'll just go home after verse 1. How about that? Okay. Verse 1, be imitators of God. Just like think about that for a second. We're done. There's no points I can make that's better than that. Right? I mean, if there's anything I can say that's more helpful than that, there's something wrong with you. Okay? <laughs> All right? Seriously. I'm like, this is be imitators, therefore, as dearly loved children. Don't we need that reminder? Isn't that vitally important? Parents, you see this with your kids, is your children can live under the same roof as you. And it's so, isn't it interesting? I know it's easy for me to fall into this where your kids are in your home, but you're constantly like on them. And you're constantly like trying to train them and do these different things. And it's easy to forget that they need to know their dearly loved children. Right? It becomes exasperating, doesn't it, after a while? If, if it's just over and over just telling you what you need to do differently and, 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 and how you need to grow up and how you need to be different and how all these things need to change, and the whole ballgame can be changed. 
with just the idea of knowing you're dearly loved, not just a little bit, like dearly loved right here. He says, so be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. He says, that here's, here's what I want you to do. Paul is sending us out. Live a life of love. I like a, a different translation for these sections. So if you have a Holman Christian Standard Bible, that's, they do a really great job with this word. In the NIV, it says, live a life of love. The Holman Christian Standard Bible does a little bit better. It uses the word, the word walk in love. And, it, and that actually is something a little bit different because it's this journey that we're on. It means to live and to act this way. But there are so many times in Romans 6, after Paul writes that we've been raised, the word he uses is, so walk in a new way of life. All right, Galatians 5, you know, if you want to live righteously, walk with the Spirit. All right, 1 John chapter 2, anyone who claims to be in Jesus must walk as he walked, right? It's this journey, and this is the same word Paul is using, walk in a life of love. Walk this way. Walk in a way of love. As Jesus did, who gave himself up as a fragrant offering, when you think of that, what comes to your mind? When you think, what picture comes to mind when you hear about walking a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. What, what comes into your mind? Like oftentimes pictures come into my mind. What are you picturing when you think of walking the way Jesus did and him giving himself up for us? What comes to your mind? What do you think? My first thought was the good Samaritan who walked out and saw the person who needed help and was willing to to help them and to become a servant, you know, okay. even though he didn't know who he was. So kind of the picture that comes into your mind is, man, is this proactive servant. Like he's saying, walk as Jesus walked, and Ben is going, okay, you know what it reminds me of is walking and being proactive and being a proactive servant. And what else do you think of? What comes to mind? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think of just the walk to uh, Calvary. Yeah. Just because, like, a lot of times I can want to love or serve you know, kind of to get those bennies or feel goods, you know, but like he did it while people hated him, screamed at him, it's got to right. be embarrassing, um, plus painful. I mean, yep. you know what I mean? Painful physically, painful emotionally, painful to your, you know, your reputation, yes. all the things that you work hard for to preserve, you know, in your shell. Yeah. But, uh, you know, to do all that love and service with zero. Yeah, benefit. right. It, it isn't about what I'm getting. It's walking in a way of how I can give and serve and glorify God, right? Yeah. Do you have your hand up? Okay. <laughs> uh, I think speaking along the lines of like God is love, I think a lot of times in my life I try to walk to God. Right. Or that's kind of my goal is like to walk so I can make it to God, but instead of like walking in God, walking with love. Right. Isn't it amazing? There's, it's such a small little kind of shift in our thinking because you're exactly right is we think in terms of destination. 
Like, I, if I can just reach Jesus. Instead of, it's, it's fascinating, and I love this, is, you know, when, when Jesus talks about giving us the Spirit, he uses the word paraclete, which we, we've seen like comforter. Actually, what the word describes is someone walking alongside of you. Doesn't that make a difference to know that Jesus is going, hey, walk with me, follow me. I'm going to give you my spirit and the spirit is going to walk alongside of you. So that's really great is picturing this idea of I'm not walking to get to Jesus. I'm walking in Jesus with Jesus. It's a little thing, but it makes a big difference. Here's what I was thinking in my mind, and it's not like this is the right thing or not the right thing, is I was thinking Paul is describing here in Ephesians 5 what Jesus taught in Matthew 7. And he said there's a broad road and there's a narrow road. And he's saying walk on the narrow road. Like you've got to look for this. You've got to pay attention to find the narrow road. And he's about to share with us He's telling us initially that this is the road Jesus walked on. But then he's going to go a little bit further here, okay? And I want you to think as we read through this in terms of walking on the narrow road or walking on the broad road. And remember in Matthew 7, 13, the broad road leads to destruction. The broad road makes more sense to us, all right? The broad road, it's not that it's that much more obvious, but... In order to find the narrow road, we've got to be paying attention to it and not just following the crowd, okay? And he goes on here. So as we think about that, in verse 3, he says, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity. Foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For out of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, don't be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Live or walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it's shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is the light that makes everything visible. This is why it says, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So he gives us three quick lessons right here. If we want to get off the narrow road, okay? A lot of times we think the narrow road is so far from the broad road that we would never, like, it would almost be impossible to get back over there, all right? And there's a difference, there's a separation, and there's probably a bunch of, you know, like a, a forest in between that you can get kind of lost in there for a little bit. But he gives us three ways. He says, hey, here, hey guys, church, here's what I'm going to lay in front of you. Have no hint of sexual immorality. 
rest assured, that is the broad road. And remember, he's telling this to the church. Yeah. Okay. Here's one of the things that I'm most proud of with our guys in this church, and particularly our men, our married men, okay, is I don't know if I've been around a group of guys that take this more seriously. Amen. Like, I'm not kidding you. I'm talking about, you know, I, <laughs> we've had it for years, it seems like, there's been a plague with guys when it's come to sexual morality yeah. and pornography, okay? Yeah. And what I feel like has been accepted sometimes is that guys just kind of feel like we're always going to be in this sin. Yeah. All right? And very rarely did I ever hear a guy that just would say, I quit pornography. Amen. Like, that means I don't ever look at it again. Yeah. Like, I love hearing from men who say, I, I haven't looked at pornography in 20 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I quit. And in the church, that almost became like, you're prideful if you said that. Mm-hmm. All right? Except some of you, and I know, I've known people and friends who ha- have grown up and you've smoked cigarettes before, okay? And you don't know what? You talk to smokers and they'll say, oh, if they've quit, I've quit. I don't do that anymore. All right. Now, the same people will say, because my little brother was one of those guys, he said, I always want one. Like, I, I would love to have one, but I don't smoke anymore. Okay? And it's that idea of every guy in here should be able to look each guy in the eye and say, we don't do that anymore. Amen. All right? Like, it's over. And that's what I love. I'm so proud of our married guys because that's what I hear. Amen. All right? And I love that instead of the idea of going, man, I'm just struggling in this. Amen. Guys, we've got to say no. Like, that has to happen. All right? You can't struggle and stay on the narrow road. It can't just be a habit that you keep resurrecting. All right. So, so, man, I'm proud of you, but we've got to keep going in that area. OK, Amen. we've got to keep calling the younger guys to that, too. Amen. All right. Because I know to them, if they don't hear some victory, then they think, oh, this is just what you live in. Right. All right. So you have this no hint and that word hint. I'll let you off the hook. OK, that that's kind of a crazy word. Like have no hint. Don't just not do it. Like have no hint. Like on your, in your computer history, could somebody go and there's a hint of it on there, Amen. right? When, what you do alone, is there a hint of sexual morality? Wow. Is there a hint of flirting with somebody in your office? Like no hint, but the word hint isn't in the Greek. Doesn't that make you feel better? <laughs> Doesn't that make you feel better? It's like, okay, it's not that hard then. It's like, no, 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 actually it's harder. Okay, like hint, actually, the guys that translated are like, oh, hint, that was as strong as they could find. All right, actually, the terminology of that Greek construct means that there should be absolutely no way that anyone could even speak about this in your life. Like, no one could in any way speak about any form of immorality or impurity, sexual morality. Like nothing. It's beyond a hint. It's like I could never believe that that person would get mixed up in that. All right? So, I mean, he was raising the bar. He's like, hey, here's the thing. Imitate God, okay? That's easy. We got it, right? 
Heaven's like, yeah, I got that. <laughs> Move on, dude. Come on, right? And then he says, here's the deal. is There is a narrow road and a broad road, okay? The broad road is characterized by sexual morality. The broad road is, is comprised here of, uh, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. And here's another thing I love about being here in Clemson. I love our sense of humor. Amen. Amen. I love it. All right. And, and, and here's what I know for me, as I studied this, this was the first time this became serious to me wow. studying this. Because my tendency is to be a coarse joker. All right, now here's the thing is, is I've never, ever studied this and taken it very seriously. Because sexual morality is serious, right? But, of course, joking. I mean, really? I mean, among brothers, can't you do? No, 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 no. He's, this is in that same list. All right, this is a maturity. This is what I find to me. This is a maturity issue. All right, this is me deep down. You know what I want more than anything? I want you to like me. I want people to like me. And one of the things I can do well is I can be humorous and I can joke and I can do those things. All right. But it's interesting with the verb verbiage that Paul is using. He's actually describing somebody who has a dull mind, obscenity, coarse joking, impurity. Those all denote somebody whose thinking is dull and sluggish. All right. And I was thinking that's right. That's about right. All right. That's the low. See, the thing about obscenity and coarse joking in these things is you want to know what? That's the cheap laugh. That's the cheap way to get your friends to laugh with you. That's the cheap way. All right. And what Paul is reminding us is here's why it's wrong. Number one, it's improper for God's holy people. All right. Like there's no gray area it's just improper and if you're wondering like keith are you going to give us like what's the boundaries there is i'm going to direct you back to search your heart on this and to talk to brothers and sisters and get some input on this in your life all right because if there's an exact like boundary then we can just say hey no humor ever and that would be wow we would be the sorriest group of disciples. You know, we've got the greatest news in the world, but we aren't happy about it. <laughs> like, don't laugh publicly, right? Um, but this is where we've got to go, and we've got to get to search our heart. I've got to search my heart. I need your help with this, um, that this is not okay. This is broad road thinking, right? And he's saying this can't happen. And, and some of us are here, and you're going, okay, Keith said three things. Sexual morality, okay, I'm good. Coarse joking and obscenity, I'm good. Some of you are sitting here going, man, I'm, I'm good. This is like I'm cruising through this sermon right now. And then he says, but here's the other thing, is no greedy person will enter the kingdom. And you know what's interesting about that word? Greed is denoting this idea of never being satisfied with where we are and wow. what we have. Like, I've always got to get a better car. I've always got to get a better house. I've always got to get better clothes. 
I've always got to get a, a, a pay raise. I've always got it because there's always something that I'm just not satisfied with. And that's that word, greed. And he said, no one who lives that way will enter the kingdom. Wow. That's how serious that is. Yeah. Of that idea of constantly, like, I'm not satisfied being single. Then I'm not satisfied not having kids. And I'm not satisfied. I need more money because I'm not satisfied. That's that word. Yeah. All right? And that probably just got us all inclusive right there in the sermon. Yeah. All right? That brought us all together yeah. singing kumbaya together right there. You know, just, just we got it. Because you want to know what? That's our very culture yeah. is telling us that you're content, except Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, he says, I've learned to be content in every single circumstance. Is that tough to you? Yeah. That's overwhelming to me when I think about it. And you know what's great about that? That's exactly where God wants us to be. Yeah. Is to the point of I have run to the end of me. Like he's asking me to do something that I'm like, I can't humanly do that. I cannot be talented enough to get myself to be content in every situation. But that's exactly what we're being called to do. And then right there at the end, what I love, he says, guys, wake up. Right? All of this word, isn't that cool? He's using terminology that's like describing dull, sluggish, apathetic living. Sexual morality is dull, sluggish thinking. All right? It's parasitic. It's about taking right? Coarse joking and all these things. It's dull and sluggish. And then he says, wake up, right? That may be what we've got to hear is go, whoa, I need to wake up right now, okay? And he goes on from there and he says, be very careful then how you live, all right? Which is alert. Be alert with how we live. Stay sharp, Ecclesiastes 10, verse 10, is one of the coolest verses. Because it says, when the axe is dull, it's harder to cut with. It takes more work to cut. It takes more energy, more effort. And you want to know what? Have you ever been that where life just feels like it's all kinds of effort and energy and everything I do and nothing's working. And oh man, this is so horrible. And what? The writer of Ecclesiastes, what Solomon says, you want to know what, though? When the axe is sharp, you don't have to work so hard. Amen. All right. And you know what a sharp axe looks like spiritually? It's when we are about the will of God, when we are like so laser focused, we're on the narrow road. And he says part of being on the narrow road is being alert to like where you are. Like there's root, there's things. It's, it's maybe even sometimes difficult, but it's being alert, right? And he's saying when we're sharp, all right, and being sharp spiritually, and hearing and listening to God, then he says, here's the thing, be very careful how you live. Stay sharp, all right? He says, make the most of every opportunity. Again, there's a lot of hard things in this chapter in there. I hope you're feeling that way. Amen. I'm feeling that way, reading it over and over and over again, and I'm like, wow, there's a lot. He's asking a lot of really hard things, all right? But he's reminding us, the entire journey that got us to this point is about being infatuated with God. Amen. It's being so infatuated that when it, when it comes to how we live, 
we aren't scared of what people think. Yeah. We aren't scared of, 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 of being alone. We aren't scared of life anymore because we're so infatuated. I was listening to an, uh, an interview this week of a boxer, and he was talking about his infatuation with boxing and his skill. And he said he doesn't do anything ever that doesn't in some way help him as a boxer. Everything he does, from how he gets the cereal out of the out of the everything he does is about being infatuated with being the best boxer he can be. All right. Paul is saying be that way to God. Amen. Like be so infatuated that you're alert and you're making the most, right? Is this idea of getting a grip on the 24 hours we all get every day. Everyone on planet Earth gets the same hours. Make every, to do this, to make the most of every opportunity. Don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine. Again, don't, don't go for the easy thing. Don't be sluggish. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's some practicality right there. right? He's saying instead of filling up on the world, be filled on the Spirit. Right? Romans 8 tells us, remember Paul wrote, Anyone who's a child of God must be led by the Spirit. When was the last time you prayed on a consistent basis for the Spirit to lead you? Right? Like like asking the Spirit to lead you. This hour, where will you lead me? Today, where will you lead me? Right? Because if you're anything like me, my tendency is to lead the spirit. Right. Mm. Like I've got great ideas of good things to do. I'm not talking about robbing banks. I'm talking about like I have good ideas of how to live a good life during the day. And I just want the spirit to follow me. But it's very different when we're asking, we're going, spirit, where do you want me to go? Amen. Like, where will you lead me today? All right. If that one thing changed for us, if that one thing changed that we were so infatuated with God that in everything we gave thanks, in every single circumstance, in every single, not the good times either, right? When it's hard, when we're being disciplined, when we're going through hardship and we're going to thank God and we're going to be alert, right? And we are going to focus on spirit lead me. Like, where do you want me to go? Is there somebody I need to be reconciled with? Is there a place I need to go to be? Is there, am I making the most of every, every opportunity with my children? Am I making the most of every opportunity with my coworkers and my neighbors? Am I that sharp? Or have we fallen into this dull and sluggish, apathetic mindset? Yeah. Where all of a sudden, you want to know what? Being a Christian is boring. And we're just kind of, we're in the murky woods between the narrow road and the broad road. We're just in there. We don't know what's going on. And we're just like, well, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I've lost my way because I've lost my focus. And so that's what that brings us back to. And I'm going to leave us with the same thing that we've been left with each week. 
which is, are you every day setting time aside where you are just being quiet with the Lord? Do you have a passage you're meditating on? Right? What is that? Because sometimes we need help. Sometimes you think there and go, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to choose. I don't know. This is hard for me to do. Do you have a favorite one? What's your favorite? What's, what's a passage you've been meditating on that you would go, this right here helps me become infatuated with God and it takes me into my day. What's, what's some of those that you like? What do you got? The end of Job. When Job okay. Unloads, or when God unloads on Job, telling him about himself and all the things that he does. It's like, yeah. no matter where I'm at in life, if I can like just meditate on that passage instantly. Isn't it so good? Slows everything down. Yes. This is what we told you a couple weeks ago. There's some of you guys that are going, this, Keith, this does not, this isn't work. This is garbage. This is mumbo jumbo. This is all. And I'm telling you, when you do it every single day and you set time aside, 100% of the time you come back and you're like, wow, uh-huh. I'm different. Now, if you're like me, again, it usually takes 10 or 15 minutes for my brain to stop fighting against the yeah. silence, okay? Yeah. It, that's true. I mean, it, you got to go farther than that okay but job is awesome right because doesn't it just put us in our right place and we're like oh yeah where was i where, where was i when he was like calling the you know the rain and the wind and the goats were being born and <laughs> that weird stuff but you're like oh yeah i wasn't there god didn't ask my opinion when he created everything right absolutely it's, that's awesome what's one for you what's another one that you like where you think man this is the thing that gets me to a place Right. Well, I tell you, that right there, if that's what you meditated on and you took 30 minutes a day and God just thought and considered and perused and and just let your heart be exposed, all right, we're going to be changed substantially on the inside, which is Paul's point is the inside is going to come out. So let's get the inside right. Okay, where's yours? What's another one that you love? Wow. Yes. Yes. You know what's great about that is that can be one of those things, you know, this is like, like we were sharing before is, is if we don't take time to, con- to consider that, it just becomes like a Band-Aid. But when we sit down and think about it, we start going, oh, this is, I get, because the Holy Spirit reminds us and teaches us. All right. That's, that, that's really true. We go, oh, okay, that's, it does take time to consider that. That's fantastic. We've got a wide range of passages here. Um, I like to meditate on, um, especially Stephen, uh, right before he died. Okay. One of the things that I love about him, not taking out of context, one of the things I love about it is he was filled with the Spirit. Yeah. And it's crazy just um, hearing his speech before the Sanhedrin, yes. how he went in, how it was completely from God and I think like throughout the day a lot of times I can forget that the spirit is in me it fills me up to do what I need to do it's like a lot of times I get drunk by the spirit I just think I mean drunk by the spirit I'm being led by the spirit but I forget the spirit is who I am because I have Christ in me so I think even when I'm going throughout the day it helps me remember that 
um, with every opportunity or with whatever's going on, that the spirit's in me and it's who I am. It compels me to do what I need to do. And it's not a situation where I have to be drugged by. Uh, right. By it's who I am. Right. Absolutely. And, and we do know over time is the spirit's like, if I have to keep dragging you, then go, go eat your food. Like I'm going to Jesus. The spirit is going to God. But that's a great point is meditating on the reality of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And it's not just like this little thing that gets put inside of us as a neat idea by God, but meant to fill us with who God is. That's absolutely right. Yeah, Alfreda. I, I usually um, go back to Psalm 119. Oh, wow, yeah. Absolutely. Psalm 119, 176 verses. Split up into groups of eight verses. If you ever want to think of some great things to meditate on, that is money right there. Why am I saying that, okay? Here's what I want us to not do. Don't buy into the lie that you have to do this while you're busy doing something else. Okay, that, that happens where it's like, man, where am I going to get this time to pray and to meditate and to study? I'm going to need to do it while I'm doing other things. And that's fine to be filled as you're doing things with the word of God and to pray while you're doing things. All those things are good. All right. But we've got to slow down and let our soul catch up with our body. We've got to stop long enough. And if it means 30 or 45 minutes somewhere where we say no to other things. Guys, that's what we have to do with these verses. That's what we've got to do to become filled, yeah. all right? Because the point isn't that we have a great quiet time, right? The point isn't that we have a great time of meditation. It's that everything we do, we're so infatuated with God that there's nothing we do during the day that isn't the ministry of Jesus. Amen. Nothing. If I'm making copies in my office, I'm thinking, how is this the ministry of Jesus? Who, who can I serve? Okay, God, Spirit, lead me somewhere. Whatever we do, that this helps us not compartmentalize our lives, but to know that our Christian life is our life. And everything we do, I'm so infatuated, whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it for the Lord. I'm doing it for Jesus. I'm following his spirit. All right, that's what we want, right? Is that there's that kind of infatuation. So let's uh, think about that. Let's take this with us, but let's go to God in prayer first.